We hit that. You already know who it is. It's the radioactive pop with Danny Limelight. United Wrestling Network, World Heavyweight Champion. And make sure you tune into the Alliance Vlog every week. You heard it here first. Straight from Bobby. Welcome back to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, the premier source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. And just recently, your boy Jay, I'm Jay, uh, was at the Game Changer Wrestling event back uh, just a few days ago, just Saturday in uh, in Los Angeles. And today, on Wednesday, <laughs> I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm here... Uh, not specifically for AEW, but turns out that's what I'm doing tonight. I will be at the AEW Dynamite taping event. Of course, you'll hear this after. <laughs> you'll hear this after uh, the event. So this isn't late breaking news or anything. This will be a uh, reaction. But uh, um, I'm recording now at uh, 2.30 local time. The event starts off. Uh, the doors open at 4 uh, but I'm going to give some predictions and uh, talk about the card that's happening tonight. And uh, post-show, I will give my full recap of the night's events and uh, just kind of look at AEW as a whole. Um, Tony Khan is set to make a huge, big announcement. Now, we know that Tony has historically made big announcements. And each time those announcements have, uh, some of them have actually really shocked and awed the audience. Some of them have kind of fell flat. Uh, there's so much rumor and innuendo that tonight could be the debut of the artist formerly known as Sasha Banks. Uh, you know, and if it is Mercedes uh, showing up in AEW, I think that would be, I think that would qualify as a big surprise. Um, <laughs> with all the rumors about uh, the former NWA Women's Champion Camille. Uh, I wouldn't hate if it was the one-time uh, NWA Women's Champion showing up tonight on AEW's on on uh, Dynamite. Although it, you know, look, that's not going to be the case. AEW hasn't really been very uh, cognitive of the NWA space. They don't really mention where you know Eddie Kingston or Ricky Starks or uh, it, uh, any of those guys you know got their starts uh, prior to working for AEW, so I don't imagine that's going to be a big deal. The, the card that's been announced so far has, is actually a pretty solid um, night of wrestling. Uh, the main event is going to be for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, it's a tornado tag team match featuring Big Bill and Ricky Starks taking on Sting and Darby Allin. Now this one, I'm going to just say it right now, if Sting doesn't walk away as champion, I hope the whole arena erupts in violence and uh, chaos because there is no way that uh, our boy uh, Sting, who's ending you know his career in about a month, shouldn't leave uh, AEW as world champion, world tag team champion. And you know just to to kind of state the obvious, uh, Sting and Darby Allen will be uh, facing the Young Bucks in Sting's retirement match. So what better way to raise the stakes than by adding the tag titles i feel like that's going to happen tonight also uh, a really big matchup for the night we're going to see hangman page challenge swerve strickland and the winner of that match is going to challenge samoa joe for the aew championship at uh, evolution um that or excuse me revolution part of my uh 
part of my mispronounce there. That should be really entertaining. Now, it's kind of funny. The last time I went to an AEW event, Swerve Strickland and Hangman Page worked that uh, that matched at the Kia Forum in, in Los Angeles. So it's 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 kind of interesting that I get to see them run it back. And this time, it looks like it's going to be a straight up uh, regular match without all the weapons and whatnot. Um, another match that I'm very much looking forward to is the uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, Daniel, uh, not Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and uh, the Swedish Superman, Claudio Castagnoli, will be taking on the team of Voladar, uh, uh, El Dorado, and I'm not sure who the third guy is, but it's a CMLL team, maybe it's Titan, uh, I'm not entirely sure. That looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, I'm very, uh, very much anticipating that match. Um, it's definitely going to be a styles clash where you have the rough and rugged, uh, you know, Blackpool, uh, combat club taking on, uh, you know, high flying luchadores. So that should be a lot of fun. Of course, the other, uh, match that's announced is Takashita taking on Chris Jericho. Um, I have almost no desire to see that match. I have very little, uh, very little expectations for that. Um, also it looks like we're going to see the AEW women's world champion in action. Timeless Tony storm will be facing red velvet who NWA fans will remember from the pretty empowered pay-per-view and on commentary, they're announcing this Deanna Peraza. So I imagine there's going to be something happening there. And, uh, well, I'm going to walk into the arena. I'm going to record some video. I'm going to take some photos and uh, hopefully we will uh, we'll see all this. We'll talk about this more after this. Times are tough now, guys, and it's no joke out here. That's why I'm very proud to be partnering with the Upside app. They're leveling the playing field, guys. They're giving you opportunities to earn cash back on, on purchases for groceries, purchases for gasoline, purchases for food. These are the things we all spend our money on all the time. I believe in Upside. I use Upside weekly. My lifetime earnings is over $408. And you too can be earning cash back on your Phillips, your groceries, or your eating out experiences just by signing up. And it's free. By using my invite code, J-A-S-O-N 75338, that's Jason 753338, You'll earn $5 cash back on your first fill-up. Use the link in the video description or download the app, but make sure you use that invite code JASON753338 and make money by using the Upside app. Join us live in Boston. You're going to want to join us right here on TBS on March 13th because big business is going to be one of the most important nights ever in AEW and a night that the entire pro wrestling industry will remember. Thanks, guys. Back to you. So we'll start off with Tony's announcement. Obviously, you just heard it. Big business. March 13th, TBS, Dynamite in the Boston, uh, I think it's TD Bank Arena, and the speculation's running wild that that's going to be the night that uh, 
that the artist formerly known as Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes Monet, will make her debut for AEW. Um, there's also speculation that the Rainmaker, Okada, could be making his debut that night. One of the worst things I think you could do as a wrestling promoter is to hype up an announcement uh, that is just essentially an announcement for another announcement. This is your opportunity to deliver the goods, Tony. You got the world's attention. Everyone's listening. We're waiting for something. We want to hear something. We want to be shocked and awed. That's what AEW does so well. And so many of these announcements have been just utterly disappointing. Uh, you know, on March 13th, if Okada debuts and if Mercedes Monet debuts and if we get maybe that's when uh, Will uh, Osprey makes his debut. Yeah, this will be great. But like, I don't know, maybe tonight would have been cool if uh, you brought out former NWA Women's World Champion Camille or, you know, made a match stipulation or a match announcement that would have really secured a lot of interest hell i kind of thought the announcement might have been uh that maxwell jacob friedman has signed a new contract and you will have his debut date on this date but we got nothing we got an announcement that there's going to be a show i don't know tony i think you put too much stock on that one i think uh, the fans were disappointed they felt sounded disappointing in the arena i'm not really sure how people felt about it on the internet but i'm sure you guys will let me know in the comments Anyways, uh, we'll be back in just a second for the rest of my uh, thoughts on the show. So, (laughs) I was right with my predictions. I was right with my choices. Sting, Darby Allin, your new AEW World Tag Team Champions. I mean... That was kind of a foregone conclusion, right? But yeah, the whole night was was really a a fun night. AEW knocked it out of the park here in Phoenix, Arizona at the uh, Footprint Arena. Uh, I won't get into the matches that uh, will not be televised until later. Maybe this will make for another episode uh, of the Alliance blog. But um, the Ring of Honor matches were all all women's matches. most of them were qualifiers for the TV title tournament. Uh, you know, the show kicked off really hot with uh, Hangman Page and Swerve. Now, having seen both of these two go at it in Inglewood at the Kia Forum earlier, well, I guess <laughs> late last year in November, uh, they put on a hell of a, a street fight, a hell of a war, a hell of a battle. Um, tonight's match was no different. Uh, the two of them came out fist flying. Uh, lots of uh, intense moves, a lot of uh, just crazy stuff. Uh, I saw, for example, uh, Swerve dive over the ringside railing to to land on Page. They did they did the move um, where it was like the DDT on the uh, ring barrier uh, from the, like the fan barrier. Um, there was a point in time where Swerve was literally trying to hit like I think like a, a moonsault and, and planted his head on the mat. I thought he was gonna be hurt. Thankfully he wasn't. Um, they didn't they, they just kept going. And uh it was even interesting to see when um when Swerve would hit like the uh you know the slingshot, the buckshot uh clothesline. 
Um, there was a lot of fun moments in this match, and uh, obviously it ended in a no decision, which I kind of felt like uh, that. I felt like that was a cop out. Uh, you know, that just means to me it feels like uh, whoever walks away as world champion at the end of uh, AEW's revolution, whether it be Samoa Joe retaining or either of these two uh, Swerve or Hangman walking away as champion, it just feels like they're not going to have the proper time, uh, the proper kind of match to change that title. Uh, for that reason, I think Samoa Joe is going to retain the title when it comes to revenge, but uh, I, I, uh, I kind of feel bad because I feel like this is Swerve Strickland's time. The fans in Phoenix were soundly behind uh, behind Swerve. They, they were. They, the fans were chanting Swerve's house. This was uh, very much a pro Swerve Strickland audience and, and Paige who I don't remember a point in time where he was a heel was getting booed uh, and not just a little bit but a whole heck of a lot um, so uh, yeah I, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like AEW should have pulled the trigger on this one and, and allowed Swerve to uh, have that one on one match with Joe but maybe there's some concerns about his ability to have that kind of a match with Joe, which is crazy to me because when you watch Swerve Strickland in the ring, he's he's basically uh, a chameleon. He can match almost any style. We we've seen him do lots of hardcore wrestling as of late. Uh, I you know the last time I saw him, him and Hangman had a, a gory gory uh, battle, and then uh, you know if you remember him from Lucha Underground, you saw a lot of sign uh, a lot of high flying style of wrestling. A lot of <clears throat> cruiserweight style of wrestling. So uh, it, it I, I feel like the better matchup here would have been Swerve and Samoa Joe. And I'm not even sure if I would hate the fact that Joe would lose the title, you know. But uh, I guess uh, I guess that's for another day. We'll see how things progress in AEW. But we know that match has now been made. A triple threat match uh, at Revenge. The next match up that was on television for AEW Dynamite was Deanna Perrazzo on commentary for a Tony Storm versus Red Velvet match. Um, I don't think this was a title match. They never indicated that it was a title match. And Red Velvet got some pretty good offense in. A lot of uh, our NWA uh, fam will remember uh, Red Velvet from her time, her brief time with the uh, NWA. She teamed up with Kylan King as part of the uh, the AE, uh, sorry, the uh, yeah, it was the um, was it the AEW contingent? Now I don't know if I'm even saying the right thing uh, for Pretty Empowered, the NWA pay per view. Did she team up with Kylan King? Now I have to look, so you'll have to just listen to me stutter while I try to pull it up on on the computer here real quick. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a fun match up. Of course, Tony Storm is full of natural charisma, uh, watching her perfect her trade. Um, uh, it, it, she's incredible. Uh, phenomenal athlete. Uh, I feel like um, at this point in her career, uh, she is the right person to be holding that title. I know they're going to be building towards Deanna Perrazzo. And, uh, you know, Deanna Perrazzo, I also feel, is a great talent as well. But uh, I feel like at some point... These two will step in a ring. I mean, of course they will. That's what they're building towards. But uh, uh, as I'm stalling to try to find 
yes, Red Velvet teamed up with Kylan King to take on the Free Babes, which was Jazzy Yang and Miranda Gordy. Uh, they won in the first round and then lost to the Hex, which was Allison Kay and Marty Bell. So that's where you might have seen her from. Again, a lot of offense <clears throat> for Red Velvet. She was not a slouch by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, she put in the work, but... Uh, Obviously, Tony Storm is kind of like the measuring stick in the women's division for the AEW brand as it currently stands. Next up uh, on the on the television uh, episode of uh, Dynamite, we had the uh, Blackpool uh, Combat Club, the BCC, not to be confused with anything else, uh, and that was. Uh, the three men representing the BBC, uh, no, the BCC, <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble here, was Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and of course, Claudio Castagnoli, former Ring of Honor World Champion, Moxley, former AEW World Champion. They took on the team of uh, the Luchadors from CMLL. Now, I am very familiar with, uh, I'm very familiar with, uh, Voldemort Jr. I've been watching Voldemort Jr. for a very long time. Him and Rocky Romero actually were trading hands uh, with the CMLL Super Ligro Championship back in 2000, like two, 2003, like early, 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 long time ago. So it was kind of cool to see uh, um, up close and personal again, and uh, it was a lot of fun um, watching him make his, uh, I think it was his debut in, uh, in AEW. Also on, uh, on that CMLL team is Mascara Dorado 2.0. Uh, not to be confused with Mascara Dorado 1.0, obviously. Uh, they haven't acknowledged it as 2.0 in AEW. I guess, uh, it doesn't really need that explanation, but if you're into Lucha Libre, you know, and I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Hienciero, Hienciero. Uh, it was a fun match. I this might have been my favorite match of the night because I do very much enjoy watching Brian Danielson wrestle. I still think that maybe he's one of the great, greatest wrestlers on the planet at this point in time. I think Claudio Castagnoli is a lot of fun to watch in the ring, uh, especially with his previous experience in promotions like. Uh, Oh, what was that called? Uh, oh man, I can't remember. Uh, Mike Quackenbush's promotion. Oh, this is sad radio that I can't remember the name of that promotion. Uh, anyways, uh, when when Claudio Castagnoli was coming up on the independent scene, he did a lot of basing for cruiserweights, junior heavyweights, high-flying matches. So you know that he's capable of, of helping a luchador base for any match. And so it was a lot of fun watching um, how he interacted with, like, Volador and uh, Mascara Dorado. It, it, was, it was a good time. Uh, the match went very back and forth. A lot of offense, especially the Hiding Hiding I know I'm not saying that right. Uh, he got a lot of offense in, especially on Danielson. Uh, tied him up like a pretzel a few times. Uh, the match ended when Claudio had distracted the referee just long enough to give the old foul shot to, uh, to I think it was Volador. Oh, man, now I can't remember. 
uh, he gave the foul shot to somebody. And uh, anyways, it was a, it was a fun match. Um, this brought the other luchadors out, and uh, that were ringside. And uh, it started a, a minor brawl, which uh, then brought out some other talents that are on the AEW roster. And uh, yeah, I this again was a fun match. I feel like they might be building towards a uh, a CMLL versus uh, AEW feud. I don't think it's just going to be big the the uh, Blackpool uh, Combat Club. I think it's going to be an AEW versus CMLL type thing. And uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And and again, as somebody who enjoys Lucha Libre, this is one of my favorites. That brings us to the next match that I honestly had no interest in whatsoever. And that was Chris Jericho versus Takashita. Am I saying that right? This match, um, I know that uh, Don Callis and his family have kind of been running roughshod. It started off with Kenny Omega uh, as being the focus of Don Callis' angst. And it had spilled over to Chris Jericho when... Uh, Omega and Jericho became tag team partners briefly before Omega's injuries uh, put them on the shelf. Uh, this match, I, it was fine. Um, again, as somebody who grew up uh, very much idolizing Chris Jericho and enjoying his matches, uh, I kind of wish he would retire. Um, one of the cool things that happened during the match was um, we saw... Uh, Sammy Guevara come out uh, midway through the match and strike Will Hobbs with a chair, just loaded up and smacked him as hard as he could. It had almost zero effect on Hobbs. Uh, then he connected with his uh, like a reverse cutter, and that knocked uh, obviously took Hobbs down, but not out. Uh, Guevara would run off, and Hobbs would chase him, and the benefit of that was now. Jericho only had to worry about, uh, uh, you know, Takashita and uh, and his manager. So, uh, you know, that for that reason, that was kind of a smart tactic. But again, I, I just I can't even care about this. Uh, Don Callis is fine. Uh, Takashita is fine. But uh, Jericho is not the Jericho I grew up watching. Uh, and, you know, I know I'll get uh, some blowback on that one, but uh I, I don't need to see another Chris Jericho match ever again. I, I will say this. He did work really hard against Takashita, if I'm saying that right. Um, at one point, he even had the uh, walls of Jericho on Takash- Tak- Takashita. Man, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Don Callis uh, would distract the referee by throwing something into the ring. The referee would go to grab that item, and then Callis would... Uh, hit Jericho with something, some sort of foreign object, uh, allowing uh, Takesh- Takashihita. I keep saying, I don't even, I think I'm getting worse. I would distra- uh, put Jericho in his own Boston uh, crab and would get the victory. So that was, uh, that was, again, it was a match. <laughs> uh, next up was the main event for the night, and honestly, the real reason why this night was so important for me to be a part of. And that was the tag team title match between Big Bill and Stroke Daddy, <laughs> uh, Ricky Starks, 
taking on uh, the two-time former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Sting and Darby Allin. Uh, it should be noted that when Sting came out, the obviously the crowd erupted. This is the last time that Sting will wrestle in the state of Arizona as he is marching towards retirement quite literally. I believe March 3rd is uh, the last date he will wrestle. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, it's being there, uh, and, and, uh, at the Kia forum in Inglewood, uh, back in November, I thought that was genuinely going to be the last time that I got to see Sting wrestle. And it was great to see him in the ring with Edge and Darby against, uh, Christian and, um, and Nick Wayne and, uh, uh, Killshot or Luchasaurus, whatever his name is now. Switchfoot, I don't know. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, like, it was a real treat for me to see this. And um, I said, you know, before I went to the show earlier in the podcast that I was really hoping that uh, that this would be a moment for Darby Allen and for Sting to uh, come together. Um, obviously, if they win the tag titles, it's it, the, the match between uh, the Young Bucks uh, would then even have more importance as the Bucks have been uh, trying to get their hands back on those tag team titles, but not having uh, had the opportunity to uh, get that match. I mean, the, again, the last time I saw the Young Bucks in person, uh, they lost the match to Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, which would prevent them from challenging for the tag titles. So this was a this was a kind of a big deal. Sting, you know, Sting came out uh, as he uh, came to the ringside. He hugged, which I believe are his sons, two very uh, big men that looked a lot like younger Stings. So probably it was his sons. Uh, and this match was chaotic. It was crazy. It was. <laughs> I've always thought of Sting as like a technical wrestler, a brawler, if you will, from time to time, but more emphasis on the uh, the power wrestling and the uh, technician, right? I mean, his finishing move for many years was a Scorpion Deathlock, and that's the move that's synonymous with Brett the Hitman Hart. So I've always kind of looked at Sting as this hybrid between like a, a power wrestler and a mat technician. And, you know, looking at his body of work maybe that never was the case maybe he's always been kind of a brawler if you go and watch his matches back in the day with cactus jack or vader or you know uh guys who were much bigger than him it always was kind of a a battle kind of a war and especially when he went uh you know the crow um it became less about what he could do in the ring and more about the show that he could put on and i feel like that's still where we have sting today is uh, a wrestler who he's not in his prime anymore and I know he'd be the first one to admit it and he's well into his 60s now and he's still wrestling at a very high level but he's not having the same matches he was you know when he was wrestling Ric Flair and the great Muda uh, but the fact that he still can go out there and have these matches uh, it's very impressive to me and uh, you know I'm so glad that he's getting to end his career on his terms you know someone who's given so much to wrestling you know we, we know that Sting had uh, had a long break when he left WCW before coming into TNA. He had a, a very long storied career in TNA. All, you know, people, people sleep on how long he was with TNA, but he was there for quite some time. Even had a cup of coffee with the WWE, had some WrestleMania moments. 
But by and by, his run in AEW, I mean, he's mostly an, uh, a regular active performer. Um, him and Darby, uh, at various points, having you know tag teamed and wrestled singles and trios matches and all this stuff. Uh, but the the crux of all this is that uh, you know uh, Rick Ricky Starks and Sting uh, met for the first time in Sting's uh, debut match for AEW, in which he defeated Ricky Starks. Which is you know there's no shame in losing to a multi-time champion, but that stuck with Ricky Starks. That's why there's so much animosity there. And of course you know Darby Allen just rubs everyone the wrong way, so nobody likes Darby Allen. Uh, I kid. Uh, needless to say, this, like I said, this match was chaotic. Uh, right off the bat, they were outside the ring. Sting, Sting tacked Darby Allen. Excuse me, he didn't attack Darby Allen. I, I misspoke there. Sting attacked uh, Ricky Starks right off the bat. Uh, uh, Darby Allen went uh, after Big Bill, which I thought was quite the uh, uh, contrast, stark contrast, no pun intended. And the battles went outside almost immediately with Big Bill tossing around uh, Allen and uh, Darby and Sting kind of doing the same to Ricky Starks. It even got to a point where uh, Sting and, and, and Big Bill were out in the crowd and they spilled through the audience. Sting went up to the bleachers and dove down onto Darby, Ricky, and and Big Bill, and it was very chaotic, and the crowd popped, it was crazy, uh, even a guy next to me had ran over to where he jumped, and, and had a selfie video while he was diving, I kind of regret not doing the same thing, um, that was a pretty cool spot, and again, it, it, seeing Sting go all New Jack was quite the, uh, you know, I, I know he's done it before, but it's just, uh, such a risk that is so unnecessary at this point in his career, but, Kind of cool, man. Kind of cool. And uh, so the, the match finally gets back into the ring, uh, or at least ringside. And, you know, Big big Bill's picking apart Sting. Uh, Ricky Starks is picking apart Darby Allen. They finally get back in the ring. And, uh, you know, eventually Sting gets uh, Ricky Starks to tap out. The crowd goes nuts, man. There's confetti everywhere. People are screaming. It's such a feel-good moment for AEW. Uh, like I said, the confetti cannons are going off. Uh, the referee's trying to hand the belts over to Sting and Darby. Sting's boys enter the ring, and it's just it's this real beautiful moment. And then, boom. It, it's almost like a, you know, like the confetti explosion shot out the Young Bucks. It, just out of nowhere, they just appeared and began to beat down Darby and Sting and even Sting's two sons. It was... Again, when I say chaos, it was pretty chaotic. Uh, Darby Allen was bleeding very quickly. Even even Sting, they made Sting bleed his own blood. It was uh, wild. The celebration was cut extremely short. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of... This is where wrestling gets kind of like... Uh, they did a good job, I guess. Because uh, AEW took that moment away from Sting. Took that moment away. I, I shouldn't say AEW. The Young Bucks took that moment away from Sting. They took that moment away from him celebrating with his real sons and his adopted son. They took away that moment of celebration that the Arizona fans wanted so desperately. And uh, they took what would have been a beautiful moment and turned it into fodder for an angle. So I guess they did the right thing. 
but I, I can't help but feel a little disappointed that we didn't get to have the cameras go off with a, just a, a celebratory moment for Sting. Which leads us to, you know, that was the end of tonight's uh, episode of Dynamite. I'm sure that there will be a lot of unanswered questions uh, as they go to uh, March 3rd, which is supposed to be Sting's uh, final match uh, in AEW. It's supposed to be his retirement. And I guess this begs the question that if Sting and Darby Allen retain the titles, will they forfeit the tag titles? Will Darby Allen be responsible for finding a new partner? Will Sting stay in the ring until he loses the belts? I mean, all, all these questions will have to be answered at some point. But um, yeah, it, it, again, w- this was such a good night. Um, other ancillary things that I always like to check out when I go to the wrestling shows too is what does the merch look like? How was the audience? Um when I went to buy tickets, there were a lot of tickets still available. I bought my ticket last week. Uh, but I did notice that uh, it was a pretty full building. Um, I had to sit on the hard cam side. And, you know, my ticket wasn't cheap either. I think I paid like 100 bucks for it. Um, there were seats available by the cameras, but it, it seemed like those were limited seats. Uh, but the crowd was hot for almost everything all night. They were really big, especially with the Lucha Libre. And I think that might be because of, uh, a large, uh, Hispanic demographic that tends to, uh, be in the Southwest. And, uh, it kind of felt like there was a lot of pro, well, you could hear the pro Lucha chants. I, I wonder if those translated on TV, uh, because you definitely heard them. And then, uh, of course, like I checked the merch uh, after the show, every single piece of Sting merchandise was sold out, which was incredible. Uh, I asked for a couple items. They were not available. They had, they had hoodies, but I'm not going to spend $70 on a Sting hoodie as much as I like the, uh, the icon, the surfer, the crow, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I'm not spending $70 on a sweater. So I spent 40 on a Samoa Joe t-shirt. I guess that feels, uh, vindicated right there, but, um, all in all, I had a really good time. This is my third AEW show uh, in a different state. I have been to two um, shows in California. In fact, uh, my first AEW show was in Las Vegas, uh, 2023. Uh, and that was the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Uh, then after Double or Nothing, I returned to my next AEW event, which was a uh, Rampage and Collision taping, which also featured some Ring of Honor matches. And then tonight, oh, and then the next night was the uh, pay-per-view, um, which I can't remember the name right now, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> if you've ever followed my Instagram, you know which one it is. And then the last one, of course, is tonight in Phoenix, Arizona, the final AEW match I've been to. And those uh, matches included uh, a lot of Ring of Honor uh, women's matches, some, uh, again, Dynamite and Rampage was also filmed tonight as well. And like I said, maybe I'll do another uh, episode talking about Ring of Honor and Rampage. But uh, thank you guys for uh, listening in, and we'll see you uh, at the matches.
Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, the premier source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. Would you consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode? You can follow us on all social media at the Alliance Blog, and we stream live on Twitch, Kick, and YouTube every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Alliance Blog. Until then, we are the Alliance.